So there are so many good veterinarians out there, so many great veterinarians out there, and not as many good managers. Because a lot of times, as you guys know, that the person who is a official manager at a hospital is only the manager because they've been there the longest and they know where everything is. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David Liss, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPaws Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. FurPaws Consulting has deep expertise in helping veterinary practices reach their full potential for all types of practices, whether specialty, emergency, or general practice, by working alongside the practice owner and manager. Are you a practice owner or practice manager with a challenge and not enough bandwidth to tackle it? Reach out to me, Andrea Crabtree, owner of FurPaws Consulting, with the question that keeps you up at night. I'm able to provide expertise and insight to navigate those tricky obstacles. Find my info in the show notes. Email me at andrea at furpaws.us or check out my website at www.furpawsconsulting.com. Welcome back, positive leadership listeners. Today we have an amazing, amazing guest and personal friend of mine, Jenny Matthews. She is the founder and owner of Matthews Veterinary Solution. She is a CVT and a CVPM. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you all so much for having me. I appreciate you both so much. Yes, I'm super stoked that you agreed to come on. And I know that you made the comment, you're like, something about I'm nervous or I don't know, you didn't have something to say. And I'm like, girlfriend, you've got so much to say and so much to share. So I am excited to talk talk with you and chat with you today. I can't even tell you. Well, I'm excited. I think this is going to be fun. Yes, absolutely. So without having to read your bio, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are today? So officially, I am a superhero disguised as like a middle-aged practice manager. But yes, um, <laughs> yes. Love it. Wonder Love Woman. It. So I am a certified veterinary technician. I got that in 2003. I'm licensed in Arkansas. Um, we lived there for several years, so I'm licensed there. And I graduated with my bachelor's in 2008 and earned my CVPM in 2011. I have worked mixed animal practice, small animal practice, emergency medicine, um, and then decided 2019 to st- go ahead and start my own consulting business. I just saw the need for it, and here we are. I've been married to my adorable husband for almost 22 years now. And we have three daughters and I am a Girl Scout leader and a business owner and super busy, crazy. And I love it every minute of it. And I have to say, I'm going to toot your horn here for a minute. 
you are one of four CVPMs in the entire state of Oklahoma. Is that correct? That is correct. What? Yes. Wow. There's only four of us. Um, wow. We're a very select group. <laughs> So good do you actively discourage that. other people from not applying we so do like, we're like don't keep do the it four. It's, it's us baby no um i believe there actually is a fifth one i don't know i think she became a cvpm this year i don't know okay. the exact but yeah so there might be a fifth one so if you are a cvpm at oklahoma and you are listening i want you to give some mad props to jenny and like <laughs> i don't know find us in the show notes or send us a message somehow to say, I'm one, because if we got the number wrong, we are happy to correct that. Oh, we will turn yeah. it into the fantastic four to the fabulous five if we need to. Absolutely. <laughs> Jenny, can you share your favorite uh, book or podcast, CE, um, a class, anything that has last uh, left a lasting impression on you? Well, obviously, this podcast is my favorite. Oh, so, you know, props oh, to you all. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So it's so funny. Each time I listen to you guys, I'm like, I learned that today. And here we are. So I love your all's podcast. And I'm grateful for it. Thank you. Um, I do also have a book that I love practice made perfect by Marcia. Yes. Oh, love my it. word. So when that's I was studying thing. for my yeah. CVPM, that was like my good Bible, one. you know, yes. absolutely. Yes. I still refer to it. Um, Me too. I love that thing. Mine is like, I mean, marked up, highlighted. Oh, I yeah. got yep. little yep, totally. widgets in there. You might right. have a coffee stain, like yes, all of it. Right. Yes. <laughs> Folded pages, torn pages. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get that book and memorize it. Marsha's amazing. It's so good. And it has been incredibly helpful in a lot yes. of situations. So I love that. So, Jenny, you own your own, you run, own and run your own consulting company, Matthews Veterinary Consulting. What made you want to branch out on your own? I mean, I've seen a ton of veterinary professionals, technicians starting their own relief companies, which usually starts with themselves. And then you blink and they have six people that, you know, work for them. <laughs> right. Andrea owns her own company. We have a lot of great friends in Southern California that do a lot of, you know, own their own companies and or do a lot of, they may work for a practice, but they do a lot of consulting. So I'm sure it was really scary, but but what was, you said you you had a need initially. What was that need? What did you see? And, you know, tell us how it's going. So there are so many good veterinarians out there, so many great veterinarians out there, and not as many good managers. Because a lot of times, as you guys know, that the person who is a official manager at a hospital is only the manager because they've been there the longest and they know where everything is. Yeah, right. That's not necessarily the way it should be, but that's a lot of times how it is. So veterinarians need to do, you know, vet stuff. They need to do their job and do what they are amazing at. And they need to bring in somebody who knows what they're doing in the management side. And I love to organize. So it works really well in my favor being a consultant. So I can do um, veterinary medicine, organize things and hang out with some really cool veterinarians. So that's a good thing. And I love that I can work in real time with them. So I can fix a problem that they're having immediately. Like with a staff member, I got a phone call today that, you know, there was a staff member that was causing some trouble while the owner was on vacation this week. And I was able to kind of talk the veterinarian off a ledge and like, okay, we're going to, you know, work on a performance plan and kind of get our ducks in a row before we move forward and not let, you know, things get out of hand quickly. Right. <laughs> so it was, yeah. Right. It was good. So I love being able to do that. I love being able to, you know, fix things on the fly with multiple veterinarians and not just one in a, as a practice, formal practice management role. 
so I'm going to recap what you said there, because at the beginning you had talked about, you know, practice managers are oftentimes promoted because they're the person that's been there the longest. And I don't necessarily mm-hmm. have a lot of formal training or education or even an understanding of what their role is supposed to be. Right. And I know one of your soapboxes, because you and I have gotten the soapbox <laughs> before and let it <laughs> just let it rip. Let it and it was like, yes. Right. Yeah. We're let ready. Let's do, do it. Let them do their job. Right. So let them do <sighs> their job. Practice managers, CVTs, RVTs, LVTs, and CSRs. So if they are promoted into a position where they don't necessarily know their job, I feel like sometimes practice owners get in their way because they don't know how to. Not that veterinarians or practice owners know how to, but right. they're they're trying to like, support them in the best way they know how or from their experience. But right. then there's also this role of people that actually do know how to do their job, which is like CVTs, LVTs, RVTs, right? Right. And oftentimes some managers that have read Marsha Hinkie's amazing book or a CSR that's damn good at her job type thing. So yeah. tell me why we should be allowed to do our jobs and what happens if we just aren't good at our jobs for a variety of different reasons? There's probably nothing more in this world that makes me crazy. There's a lot of things, but this is a big one. When a staff member tries to do something and they're excited about it and thrilled about this new service or they learned something and then the veterinarian just squashes their dreams because they're too busy or they're unavailable or they it doesn't fit what they are thinking of at the moment or they just you know, miss the whole conversation. And then the employee becomes defeated. Like they're like, okay, well, my ideas don't mean anything. So why bring it up again? And that is insane to me because if if you put 20 people in a room, everybody's going to have an incredible idea. So let's listen to them. And not every idea is going to work for everybody. And that's completely cool, but let's try it. Like if Mm -hmm. that makes sense, let's try it or get, Hey, you know, you and me, Andrea, we're going to figure out this program on how to make this work better, but we're going to take input from David and kind of tweak it a little bit more and make it an even more amazing sure. idea. Yeah. So right. everybody working together, like, that's what I want. I want you to be able mm-hmm. to take the initiative and really showcase the things you're passionate about. Right. I just, that's just a big thing for me. <laughs> Let people do it. Yeah, it's a great passion to have. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you're kind of talking, I think, a lot about this kind of bottom up approach. When you work in the trenches, I think most of the time we know that the staff really know what will solve the problem. Like, you don't, this is, and no offense meant to all of us that are CVPMs, but this really isn't rocket science. Like, they'll say, we need a software that makes this go faster, or we need to, here's the paint point, and here's we tweak. And so, like, when you do that, when you, you said, when you engage everybody in that, you're able to get to the solution a lot faster. But I want to ask you a question, you know, and just kind of push back a little and say, like, doesn't this backfire sometimes when you let's say, you, you know, you're you're the practice manager, mm-hmm. and you're going to flip this kind of problem solving decision making process on its head, follow Jenny's ideas, and we're going to start by listening to everybody bringing them together. Doesn't that sometimes backfire and you get a lot of gripes and upsets and non solution oriented stuff? And how do you manage that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, that happens absolutely all the time. Yes, um, because somebody is going to poo on your idea a hundred percent of the time. Whether it's you know somebody who can make a decision or somebody that's just like, well, that's terrible. I'm not going to do it um, because they're grumpy. So you are always going to have pushback. You're always going to have somebody who's like, mm, no, nope, not going to be a thing. That's how you learn to kind of overcome adversity. That's how you learn 
resilience. That's how you learn from your mistakes. Like you could put this program that you have learned and you have, you've come up with these amazing ideas and this wonderful thing and you put it into practice and it bombs. I'm talking, it doesn't work. Clients hate it. Staff hates it. It's not going to work for your practice. You learned a lot just because your idea didn't work doesn't mean you didn't learn anything. So you learned a huge amount of what not to do, what not to do and what to learn and grow and move forward with. And we all learn from mistakes. Like that's how we grow. That's how we make things better. Yeah. But absolutely. There's always going to be people that are like, "Mm, nope, terrible idea. Not going to do it. Um, So it's just, okay, let's pick and choose our battles also. That's a really interesting way to think about it. I actually just was hearing somebody at some YouTube, like, I don't know, some speaker or whatever, literally, and just what you just said brought this up for me, that he was talking about the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Mm -hmm. And what he said was, with intelligence, you know what to do, meaning you have a book, it tells you your revenue's down, you increase visits, or, you know, like some sort of formula. Wisdom tells you exactly what not to do, but you can't (laughs) learn wisdom without experience. And so it just made me think of like, do we want to be wise or do we want to be smart? And I think a lot of people would actually say wise, right? So anyway, I thought that was just kind of interesting, but it was on point to what you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, it's such a thing. It's just such a thing. We learn so much by the mistakes we make and the the growth that we have and the challenges that we face in veterinary medicine and in life. But specifically in veterinary medicine. And it's not always going to work out how you want it to. And that's disappointment. I guess as a manager, learning disappointment is also a big part of it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And one thing I learned too, is through my mistakes and my bumbles and bad decisions is understanding how to pivot. Right. So when I make, I implement something or when I do something and it's like epic failure, you're Mm -hmm. like, well, that didn't work at all the way I wanted. (laughs) It's like, that's okay. Like, you know, I'm not going to cry about it but pivot, right? Right. Like I roll out curbside protocol or I try a new team building exercise and it's, you know, epic failure. Fine. Pivot. Right. Right. Exactly. Rewrite that protocol, do another team building exercise. Like I feel like sometimes we just have to pull up our bootstraps and try, try, try again until we get it maybe not right, but better than the last time. Mm, Absolutely. Yes. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that type of decision-making process can be integrated into our day-to-day practices. So when you talk about getting feedback from the team, how -hmm. does that look at a practice? I like to ask some of the different staff members when I'm working with them, if we could fix something today, like what would it be? And some people are going to be like, we really need a new pair of clippers that work. That's just what we need to make our job function. And my life would be so much easier if we had clippers that work. Or if we had you know, a new anesthesia machine, if we had, you know, X, Y, Z, if there was a new outlet, if there was an outlet that could take more than two plugs at this spot, that would be amazing. These are the decisions that are not like, let's completely revamp our vaccine protocols. It is not, uh, let's remodel the clinic or update our software. These are like day-to-day decisions that the staff can make. Actually, this is a cool, it's funny that you brought this up. I had a staff member this morning who brought into us a pair of bandage scissors and dental elevators. And she realized that they were getting dull and everybody else is just like, eh, it's, you know, you work with them. It's bandage scissors. It's no big deal. And she took the initiative to sharpen them and did it all on her own, just made it happen and told us about it afterwards. She felt empowered enough to be able to do that at her practice. And that's little, 
but that's big. That makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Having somebody know that they can do something to fix a problem and take the initiative to do it. And then it works. That's awesome. And didn't, didn't have to come to the management team to say, Hey, can we get a new pair of bandage scissors? Right. Yeah. Beg just for made permission. it happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Make it happen. <laughs> like, I love that. I love yeah. that initiative. And I love that they want to make things better. And if it's something as simple as sharpening bandage scissors, do it. I love that. Make that decision. But there's right. a lot of veterinarians out there who are like, mm, no, they can't do anything without coming to me first and getting permission. And that makes me crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you're kind of, I mean, you kind of just let into it. You have so much experience. You've been a manager for a good amount of years. You've seen a lot. You've done a lot. So what are a couple, you know, what are two or three pretty common mistakes that we as veterinary practices and even practice managers make or, or as owners, right? Veterinarians make with our mm-hmm. team members. Here we go. Invest in learning. Invest in learning for every member of your staff. So veterinarians, you know, they have to have X amount of hours of continuing education. As CVPMs, we have to have 48 hours of continuing education. We do a lot. We do a lot of CE all the time. How often are your kennel staff getting any CE? How often are your CSRs getting any CE? How often are your non-credentialed assistance getting CE. Like it just doesn't happen. But then Mm -hmm. you expect them to perform at some, you know, amazing level and be able to know these things and do these things, but you don't actually invest in their education and invest in them as people to grow. And that makes me crazy. Um, So investing in education is number one. And then empower the staff to make decisions little decisions, big decisions, empower them to at least come with to you. If they can't, you know, physically go buy something, they can at least come to you with ideas and thoughts. Listen to your staff. I love it. You know, say it again for the people in the back, right? I, I'm on board <laughs> with your CE. And, and I feel like the CSRs to me are my like little redheaded stepchildren where they just get nothing. And, you know, yeah. I've done my symposiums now for several, several times. And I just feel like we have to pour into them and and when they don't, I just, I'm like, well, how do you expect them to stay in our profession when we don't pay them and two, we don't educate them? Like, it just kills me. And then all they take is the phone calls and the junk and the terribleness and <laughs> expected to do everything all the time with no training or support. Yeah. You know, they get rolled under the bus constantly and it's just no good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hear yep. you. So Jenny, one time, I'm sure over a crazy chicken dinner at oh, what was the name of that place? I shouldn't. <laughs> You are welcome for that. You are absolutely welcome for that. Made my life better. It was memorable. Yes. (laughs) I remember, I'm pretty sure it was there that we were shooting the shit, talking about stuff. And I'm going to paraphrase this because I've slept since then. But when everyone learns more and takes ownership, we are stronger and better. And I just remember hearing you say that to me and it resonated with me. So how can practice managers get our teams to buy into this philosophy of, when everyone learns more and takes ownerships, we're stronger and better because of it. I worked with a practice that I they just sold, so I don't work with them anymore. But this practice had seven RBTs, two doctors, and their medicine is incredible. They work really hard together. They I trusted them completely to take care of any pet that came through that hospital because there were always two sets of eyes on things and knowledgeable sets of eyes on things. Like I felt really, really comfortable recommending them and using them for my own personal pets. And it was fantastic. I knew the level of education of everybody in that hospital. Like I knew the training protocols that went into training every new hire. 
that's just like, it's refreshing to see that. And it's refreshing to kind of be a part of that. And so it's important to me as a manager, you go in and you're like, okay, let's see what everybody wants to learn and let them kind of pick and choose probably to get started what they want to learn the most about. Because you can throw CE at everybody, you can throw all of that at everybody, but if they are not interested in the topic, they're not going to do well with it. But if we have somebody who has an interest in beekeeping, just whatever their interest is, try and plug them into that and try and entertain their want to learn more. And so I want to dive into that just a little bit more, because what I hear from you is that one, the practice has amazing training and that two, that we have a little bit of what I would consider some career mapping going on there, where we're talking and engaging with the team members saying, what do you want to learn for personal Mm -hmm. and professional development? And if beekeeping is on that list, then we make it happen. Right. And yes, it does have to tie back to the business. So if you don't see bees, maybe not the best thing. But if you do see bees, amazing, get that person to be a beekeeper, right? I like looking at that in the sense of of career mapping, where we're integrating the professional development of those particular employees that want to have CE, that want to learn, that want to buy into that. We took 12 or 14 staff members from a clinic when I was a, a manager. We took us to the Oklahoma Veterinary Medical Association meeting. And one of the classes, you know, I wanted everybody to attend the veterinary technician track. Um, That's where I thought that it would be the most beneficial. Everybody wanted to do like one off little different thing. And that's where the beekeeping example came in. There was a beekeeping class. So I had one employee take that because they were super interested in it. I had one that took a dairy cow class, but they managed most of the track in the technician program. But let them do the one-off. Let them explore yeah, right. their interests. Exploring. Yeah, toe in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why not? You, I want to invest in people as people, not just as employees. So if we can, like, let them grow and flourish in what they love, that's amazing. Like, that's a wonderful thing. And that's so, return on investment because yes. they are not only learning something you know, maybe of the trade, but a little bit of that is maybe some intrinsic rewards where they come back happier because of it. Right. We have right. Yes. happy right. staff members now. Right. Team members. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. We had lunch together and then everybody came back kind of like you do at a conference, you know, you get energized and you're excited about all the things that you've learned and wanted to implement. Right. And everybody was on board for that. It doesn't always last forever and not all the ideas work, but it really changed some perspectives on like when I came back from continuing education and I'm like, let's do this. And so they yeah, kind of yeah. were a little bit more on board. And we're like, okay, I see why you do this. I, that makes more sense now. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, as you, you said, sometimes that ROI is not financial. I mean, it, it may translate somewhere, but sometimes the ROI is just having a more engaged, happy, excited group yes. because they learned something and then they yes. come back to the practice. And, right. you know, it may not show up in a measurable way in one practice. But if you look at that on, you know, a region or a group or a profession level, you'll see mm-hmm. more motivation. You know, they see this all the time in organizational development, you know, more motivation translates into improved margins, which translates into higher bottom line, right? Like bigger bottom line. Yes, so right. it all would, works. It's just. <laughs> and I'll exactly. tell you, David, that you can measure that in the sense yeah. that you do an employee engagement survey that sure. you will find that your team is more engaged have more retention and more loyalty when you allow them to like what Jenny's saying is like step right. outside for a little bit and dabble into that beekeeping. Right. 
Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. No, for sure. Oh my gosh. So here we are in 2022 in certainly California, there's still a pandemic. It hasn't been changed to endemic. Yes, cases are down. Thank goodness. Right. We just had 4,000 yesterday in Los Angeles County. So there's still, you know, thousands of COVID cases that are flying around. And the whole last, almost we're going into the third year now, almost halfway through the third year, right? 2020, 2021, and now halfway through 2022. Where you know there are still a lot of practices that are doing either a curbside or a modified curbside or or, mm-hmm. or something. There's still some practices that have said we're never going back from you know it's always going to be curbside, right. and so managing through that time period and dealing with all of the change that we dealt with from state, local, federal vaccine guidelines, OSHA, you know OSHA didn't even release the guidelines until I think it was October of 2020. So we had you know, six months of what the heck do we do? And then OSHA said, you're all doing it wrong. And here's how you have to do it. (laughs) So, you know, Jenny, how do you kind of see change management and how to lead through change? And why would, you know, approaching problems with that change management style be really beneficial in veterinary medicine? I'm sure you all both would hopefully agree with this. Veterinary medicine has been in need of a change. For a long time. <laughs> you mean practicing back in Noah's Ark day? I'm just yes. saying. I'm just saying. Yes. We yes. utilize some of the same technology that yes. Noah did. Like it's a yes. thing. Yes. Paper charts. I mean. Pens, I mean. Post-it right. that, That's notes. a whole nother I mean, I get it, but like, thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the human medicine's been EMR for like 30 years, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? like, I mean, no offense, veterinary medicine. Yes. Love we, you, we, but we, come we, on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. There have been more changes in the last three years than there have been in the last 300 in veterinary medicine. And it's really actually very refreshing to see that guess what? Your team can make changes and it's okay if they don't work right. And then they can change again. And I think veterinarians actually really saw that. Whether they continue to do curbside, which, you know, you do you and everybody works what's best for their practice. But it's been. It's been a lot of fun to see, not fun, this has been a crazy mess. It has been educational to see how much change people can handle. Because there's some days that you're like, okay, let's just go with it. Whatever, you know, this needs to change and we weren't cleaning right. And then we didn't disinfect this. And now do we actually put disinfectant on the dog before it goes back out to the car? Like, (laughs) Like, how do we do this? All of these little changes and then... Like you said, OSHA said, nope, doing everything wrong. Okay, cool. Let's nix that idea. And now let's move on to the 400 other little things. It's been awesome. It's been awesome for our profession because I think it's really opened their eyes. to like, okay, we don't have to do it the same way that we've always done it. We can be open to new ideas and new ways of doing things. I have a veterinarian that's very interested in telemedicine, never got into it in COVID because we were just surviving and just trying to, you know, make it through the next day. Um, But we're doing a seminar next week about telemedicine. So it's incredible to see that like, okay, let's make some changes. So let's implement them. And it's an adventure. (laughs) There's no doubt of that. It is an adventure. Yeah. Adventure, right? How does that go at Disneyland? Put your feet in and your hands in at all times. Keep your seatbelt fastened and sit down, right? Right. Like just sit down, shut up, hold on. Here we hold go. Hold on. Here we go. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Making it happen. Every yeah. single day is a new challenge and a new adventure. Let's see what today rolls with. And to talk about a little bit 
on point of practices that are little behind the times. <laughs> and I love you, Jenny. You have been amazing to invite me several times now to the Oklahoma VMA. And I have been able to present in the practice management track. And it's a yes. total blast. I have so much fun. And I've realized that California is, we're out there. We, we are, you are a there. different animal. We are a different beast. Yes. 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 I think there's a lot of progress in California. I think a lot of the times we're first or second or third to try something new and different. Mm -hmm. And of course, keeping up with our laws is a total nightmare. But I see that Oklahoma may not be as cutting edge or as up to date as California often is. And having faced this challenge um, on a regular basis, because you're based there, tell us what one or two really good action items that you feel like we can start right away. And I say that because I know that you are super involved with the California crazy girls out here at the CBPM. <laughs> You're stuck with me, friends. Sorry. Shout out to the OC managers group. <laughs> but you kind of see how we do things and you're always like, wow, we, we don't do that here. Or wow, that's something different or a different philosophy. For practices that may feel like they are a little bit behind the times or want to have a little bit more progress in, in their practice and just move the needle like one little bit, right? How do right. we eat that elephant one little bite? Right. Can you give us some things that we might be able to sink our teeth into to feel like we can move our practices into the 21st century and get out of that Noah's Ark age. So I'm going to go back to what I said before with the, like the common mistakes. So mm -hmm. invest in continuing education for your staff. That's going to change everything. Even if you can't do in person, like the OVMA happens once a year, your practice is a you know small practice with one doctor and three employees. You can't afford to you know, send everybody to Vegas for a conference. Sure, right. But there are a million online options. And then when the staff member takes those classes and passes, they can present that information to the rest of the staff. They can bring that, you know, things that they've learned and share it with the class. Mm -hmm. Back to the team, yeah. Absolutely. And then this one, it's going to be a hard concept, but please pay your employees for this. Like pay them for the time that they're spending away from work doing things for work. Mm -hmm. This That's is a not. Thing, huh? It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a California. Thing. We can't do that thing. We have to. Can you not do choice. that thing? Yeah. Oh my word. So for here, <laughs> we can do that. So it's. I think you need to invest in your employees. The more you invest in your employees, because the turnover rate is insane for every member of the veterinary yeah. team. Yeah. And it's so hard to find and keep good people. So invest in those people. And I think that will make a huge difference. Fantastic. Well I love said. it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. If you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, what would it be? So I have a lot of pieces of advice. I'm big <laughs> on sayings. I love puns. I love ridiculousness, but I love your shirts. Your shirts are great. Because <laughs> your Thank shirts you. are Yes, puns and memes, and they're fantastic. And I love all your shirts. All the things. Um, but probably my biggest piece of advice would just be kind to yourself because you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. You know, you're that's how we grow. It's how we learn. It's how we make things better. You're going to make mistakes and it's going to be okay. And also take a day off. Take time away from the practice. It's not going to, it's not going to self-destruct when you're gone. Like, yeah, it, right. They're, they're going to make it. You take care of you. 
Yeah, right. Because we can't take care of our team if we don't take care of ourselves. But I absolutely I, I think that that was a struggle that we all realized through COVID mm-hmm. because we could muddle through pre-COVID, right? Right. But when COVID hit, and it's still in the process, I have several practices that are still like still recovering from that. Right. There's a lot of managers, I feel like, that have this PTSD because of COVID, right? And we didn't take time for ourselves because... Our team needed us. Every right. challenge needed us. Every Everything yes. needed us. And we us. paid the price. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you can, breathe. Like, take some time for you. It will be okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So it is time. <laughs> it is time for the story. And I hope your husband listens to this segment because I have a feeling it's going to have something to do with him. But change the names to protect the innocent and tell us the encounter that you've had either with a client, an employee, a practice owner, or whoever it may be that in the moment, your chin hit the ground, your palm went to your forehead, your eyes popped out like pugs, and you said, no freaking way, this just happened. I cannot make this shit. Tell me your story, Jenny. Okay, so doesn't really have to do with my husband. He just was like, are you actually going to say that? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. So the mixed animal practice that I worked at in Arkansas, I was there for 12 years and the veterinarian there, he surgically implanted a lot of nudicles. Do you guys know that what nudicles are? Prosthetic testicles? Yes. 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 So he was actually at one point labeled by the company, the nudical king of Arkansas. So that's super, super impressive title. Let me just share that with you. He had a keychain. It was amazing. It's a good day. But... We had a really kind, sweet client that had a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. And it took us forever to get her to make the decision to finally neuter her pet. You know, King Charles have heart things. And so it was like, she struggled with it. She struggled a lot. And then she decided that she wanted to have the nudicles placed after we neutered him. So it kind of didn't change his appearance. She picked him up. After surgery, all is, you know, everything went great. Everything exactly how it was supposed to. And she's like, I am so glad he looks the same. And, you know, because there's a size guide on nudicles. They like, it depends on the size of the breed of the dog. She was like, I'm so glad he looks the same. So when we sit and watch TV, I play with them. Oh, my. Oh. Oh. And we were like. a little in my throat. Oh. We were like, oh, okay. So don't do that until he's healed. It was a to that, right? Like we were like, okay, cool. That's terrible. I will never forget that. That's crazy. my entire life. That's crazy. Right. Oh my God. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome uh, yeah, for that. Yeah. Up, can you? <laughs> like, how do we move past that? Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, it's okay. Um <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. It reminds me of the Vets Against Insanity. If you guys have yes, played that game. Yes. Yeah, this yes. Is, you know, right. Like, what did the owner say to the, you know? Um, yeah, right. Okay. Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. 
Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. So at this point in the show, we're going to go into the rapid fire. Tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. I worked with QuickBooks for basically the first time. It was a mess and I messed up the books for like six months. It was awful. Just never really got it right and ended up leaving the practice because the practice owner told me he couldn't trust me. Tell me about your proudest moment. My proudest moment was probably passing my CVPM. Why veterinary medicine? What do you just love about our profession? I love taking care of the people that take care of our patients. That's so important. Self-care, how do you practice it? How do you decompress? So I spend time with my family, with my husband and three crazy children. How do you balance work and life? And do you experience any work guilt in that balance? I experience work guilt, life guilt, mom guilt, wife guilt, all the guilts. What keeps you up at night? Things that stress you out or cause you anxiety in your consulting firm or your clinics that you oversee? I am always super worried that I'm not providing either enough information or not the right information because every practice is different. And what gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day? Coffee. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. It was great to have you. I appreciate you guys so much. Jenny, can you give us a shout out to how we can find you either online or social media or your favorite way for clients to reach out to you? So I can be found at MatthewsVetSolutions.com. I have a website there. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name. And you can also email me, MatthewsVetSolutions at Yahoo.com. All of my contact information is on my website. So you can reach me basically whatever way works best for you. And all that information will be in the show notes as well. Thank you, Jenny. Yay. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. You all also. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast and be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.